0: Hey, what's up? It's the Unpopular Populist. You can find me on Instagram at Left Populist and also on Twitter at Left Populist. And Facebook, you can find me at the Unpopular Populist. So rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends what up everybody today is january 31st and also the day after the our state of the union address and i think it was about an hour and 20 21 minutes or something like that but if you're a political junkie like me you watch the whole thing and if you're also a critique of our current administration, then uh, you probably did a lot of uh, tweeting as well. Um, But last night we had a lot of applauding when it was said that we need to rebuild our military. And earlier yesterday, there was also bipartisan legislation passed that helped rebuild our military. But... MLK said it best in his Beyond Vietnam speech in 1967, and he said, the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today is my own government. And if you fast forward to over 50 years later, that kind of remains true, but the question is why? So in this episode, we're going to talk about why we are considered the world police And how the military-industrial complex has a hold in Washington, D.C. And also the cost of these wars as well. Alright, so I'm a huge hip-hop fan. And of course, hip-hop has the fun party music that you like to listen to when you're out at the bars and you're drinking and you're with your friends. But hip-hop also has a conscience. And one of my favorite rappers of all time, Tupac. And he's actually a pretty good symbol for the duopoly of hip-hop. He said it best. And he said, they got money for wars but can't feed the poor. And it's true. You would be surprised how much we spend on these wars, both just in sheer numbers and compared to the rest of the world. Now, let's just talk spending in sheer numbers. And this is according to nationalpriorities.org. In the fiscal year, 2015... Military spending is projected to account for 54% of all federal discretionary spending, a total of $598 billion. Military spending includes all regular activities of the Department of Defense, war spending, nuclear weapons spending, international military assistance, and other Pentagon-related spending. Guys, I know this number sounds small on paper, But that is over half a trillion dollars. You know, I don't know how people can say our military can be weak when it's 54 percent of our discretionary budget. And for those that don't know, there is a difference between discretionary spending and mandatory spending in the federal budget. So discretionary spending refers to the portion of the budget that is decided through Congress each year. And the spending levels are also set each year by Congress. Mandatory spending is spending that Congress agrees outside of that annual process. And this is where we have our earned benefit programs like Social Security, Medicare, um, SNAP, which is a.k.a. food stamps, and a significant amount on transportation and Other things. So behind Social Security, Medicare, and the social safety net is the military. This is before things like, you know, education and housing and the environment. And it's funny because people always ask, how are you going to pay for health care? Or how are you going to pay for these, quote unquote, entitlements? Guys, We have the cost of college skyrocketing, we have hundreds of thousands of people that are homeless, and you have climate change happening all over the world, and this is what we decide to prioritize. Usually the rebuttal to that is, we have to protect ourselves from the enemy. But, I don't know why, but for some reason, people think that if we don't fight ISIS over there, they're going to end up at our doorstep tomorrow, which isn't going to happen. Uh, Yes, I understand. They're horrible people. But when you have things like the drone strike program, Obama's drone strike program that kills over 90 percent of civilians, I think Americans should reconsider where we spend our money. And the drone strike program is just one example. I mean, we're spending one hundred and fifty billion dollars a year just to maintain our military bases. And we have over 800 of them in one hundred and sixty countries. And you would think that being in 160 countries that we would have a lot of allies, right? And of course, our allies have a military too, right? But let's see how much we spend compared to those other countries. We continue with the article from National Priorities. The U.S. outpaces all other nations in military expenditures. World military spending totaled more than 1.6 trillion in 2015. The U.S. accounted for of the total U.S. military expenditures are roughly the size of the next seven largest military budgets around the world combined. That is amazing. Now, look at who is after us, China, Saudi Arabia, and you can pretty much bunch them with us because we provide a lot of military aid to them. Russia, the UK, India, France, and Japan. So, pretty much all of those countries are our allies. And to be honest guys, I don't know about you, but I really don't know who the hell we're afraid of if they're not on that list. But some ways, somehow, we ended up becoming the world police and now we're just literally blowing our money up. <laughs> guys, I mean, do you know that we're currently in seven countries? We're in Afghanistan, we're in Iraq, we're in Syria, we're in Pakistan, we're in Yemen, we're in Somalia, we're in Libya, and we're actually in another one now. Um, Soldiers were just killed there recently. Now we're in Niger, so that's eight countries. I mean, (laughs) how many of us knew Niger was a country before you found out about the soldiers being killed in Niger? I mean just to start with Afghanistan it's an absolute failure at this point. We started the war on terror in Afghanistan in 2002 and ever since then is literally become the Vietnam of the new millennium. I mean at this point any effort to stay in this broken nation is propelled by the military industrial complex and defense contractors that want to profit off this nearly endless conflict. And then the very next year in 2003, we're invading Iraq based off a lie saying that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction when we knew he didn't. And that invasion killed at least 500,000 Iraqi civilians. Now, there's plenty of things that factor into the creation of ISIS. There's the ideology, there's the political climate that they have there, but... We can't wonder how ISIS gets stronger and hates the West even more when you kill one of their family members. And honestly, I'd be pissed at the U.S. too if I was, you know, in my home and it got bombed and it killed one of my family members too. And uh, let's be real here. What is considered victory? Defeat ISIS? Well, as soon as we leave, they're going to come back. So are we going to stay there forever? Because ever since then, we've been tacking on the war on terror to these other countries for their resources, actually. This is why we're so cozy with Saudi Arabia. They have huge amounts of oil and they're willing to play ball with us. Because if you don't know, we like to topple governments that don't do what we want them to do. And if you want a good example of that, just take a look at Libyan Gaddafi. And this is where the hypocrisy of our government lies. Because Saudi Arabia is one of the biggest human rights violators in the world. And we keep arming them to the teeth for their bomb in Yemen. They're killing nearly 50% of civilians. And guess what else? They're also arming al-Qaeda on the ground and also jihadists in Syria. So I don't see how we can be having this war on terror when we're arming these... Jihadists and then also Al-Qaeda. And this is the same thing for Israel. They're currently doing apartheid against the people of Palestine. And Israel is establishing illegal settlements on Palestinian land. And to get a solution, you have to do what's best for both sides. But no, we want, we want to support Israel who continues to bomb Gaza, kill 80% of civilians, They're taking out power plants, and this leads to more rebellious Palestinians. We need a two-state solution, but by the looks of things, Israel and Palestine is going to be in perpetual conflict. I mean, the administration just recently recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, so that's just going to stir the pot for more conflict. I mean, we shouldn't be supporting these countries like Israel and Saudi Arabia to begin with. But nothing beats imperialism, nothing beats money, and nothing beats the military-industrial complex. War is no longer that scary, bloody, horrific thing that we want to avoid. People found out that it's good for business. And the way it works is you're going to need people in the factories to make all the items you need for war. So the argument that they make is... Let's go to war because it'll be good for the economy. And it's become a vicious circle. I mean, you have private defense contractors. They get private contracts with the government to make tanks, planes, etc. And Congress makes a bill to build more military equipment, build more tanks. And once these tanks and planes are built, lobbyists will kick that money back to the politicians in campaign contributions. And it's become this rinse repeat cycle. So all that money that should go to healthcare and education, it's going to the military industrial complex. And Dwight D. Eisenhower actually warned us about this in his farewell address in 1961. And we fell right into the trap. He said, Every gun that is made... Every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, a theft from those who are cold and not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, and the hopes of its children. And guess what? Both Republicans and the Democrats just voted to increase the military budget again. (sighs) Look, I'm not asking to get rid of the military. And I don't think people in the military are bad. My own dad was in the army. But when you have corrupt politicians making up justifications to get our soldiers killed. Yes, I have a problem. When I pay taxes, I want it to go to stuff that actually matters. And this is a choice of either having my money blowing up brown people overseas that never did anything to me, or give it back to the American people. And I went to go visit Vietnam recently, and I realized why so many soldiers come back with PTSD. And by the way, veterans should get all the care that they need, But and we shouldn't have homeless vets, but... We shouldn't be putting our soldiers in these positions in the first place. In my opinion, you should only have a military to defend your country, not go in these offensive wars like we've been doing. And if we are going to overthrow a regime, we should go through the UN as a coalition. But instead, we're we're over here poking North Korea with a stick on Twitter. But... What sucks is that we always say that we're doing things for human rights and freedom, but that never seems, the ca- seems to be the case. It's always been corrupt decisions made by the people at the top. Noam Chomsky said it best. And if you don't know about Noam Chomsky... No- uh, sorry, I got his name mixed up. Noam Chomsky, you should definitely look him up because he is probably one of the people that I look up to when it comes to politics and my ideology. But he said, everyone's worried about stopping terrorism. Well, there's really an easy way. Stop participating in it. And I wish a lot of politicians in Washington would hear that quote because they're complicit in what they're doing. But the bright side of this, guys, is that our generation hates war. I mean, think about it. We invaded Afghanistan in 2002. It's 2018, and you probably have siblings that don't know how life was before 9-11. I mean, I'm turning 26, and I barely do. I mean, I knew it happened, but I didn't necessarily know the magnitude of the situation and the perpetual war we would be in. But what we have to do is vote these war hawks out of Washington. That's really the only thing we can do. The next thing we have to do is get money out of politics. Like I said, when defense contractors are able to pay people in Congress to do their bidding, we lose. Even even if what they're doing is widely unpopular, they're always going to go with the money. And if you want to get money out of politics, join Wolfpack.com. They're a group that's trying to add an amendment to the Constitution That will make elections free of money in the political system and make it fair enough that any citizen can run for office, not just millionaires and their allies. So if you want to help out and get money out of politics, that is the organization to join. On that note, guys, that is part three Part 4 will be on education and if you don't know I am doing a 10 part series on my beliefs and why just to start off and eventually I'll get into current events and give my analysis on those but in the meantime just you know keep on sharing it with your friends don't forget to rate me on iTunes subscribe on Google Play and you know get out and get active Alright, this is the Unpopular populace signing off. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.